Glad to be back with you again this morning as always. Uh, glad to be able to open the Word of God, preach, um, not to you, but preach to us. Uh, open the Word of God and see what His Holy Spirit, uh, how His Holy Spirit uses His Word to speak to us. I'm excited um, to see how He speaks. Uh, I just want to sort of give you a little heads up, as you probably noticed last week. Um, these last commands are sort of overtly like how we treat our brothers and sisters. And so as compared to the last few or the first few where it's more our relationship with God uh, specifically, these commands will have a lot of like do's and don'ts. And so we'll spend a lot of time like we did last week, like we will today, and like we will over the next couple of weeks talking about sort of do's and don'ts. Um, so don't get bogged down in that because what I want you to do is always, and I'll kind of mention this again, but what I want you to do is I want you to always sort of couple what you know spiritually, that you are redeemed by God through the work of His Son and you are saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I want you to keep those things in mind uh, as you think about how you can be a better workman for Christ. You're not working, you're not doing you know, to compile a list or to make yourself approved by God, you've been approved already through Jesus. I want to just kind of give that, get that out of the way. I might say it again just to remind you even in this sermon today. What I want to do is I want to go through our little uh, hand motion things. And I know that they, they seem trivial or childish to some of you, but I guarantee you won't forget them. Uh, except me, I forgot the ninth and I had to call the uh, original guy to uh, help me out with what the ninth was. What I want to do, though, is I want to go through all 10 today because I don't want to just do 9 and 10, and then you only get to go through them once. So for the next few weeks, if I remember, we'll go through all 10. So number one, no other gods, right? Number two, no graven images. Number three, watch your words. Don't take the, Lord's, uh, the name of the Lord God in vain. Number four, a uh, Christian will get in their four-door car with their four wheels and they'll drive to church gathering. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, don't murder, don't kill. Number seven, if two people love each other and they decide to go away and find someone else, that's adultery. Number eight, that's today. And I'm drawing a blank right now. Hold on a second. Number eight, don't steal. In many countries, for stealing, they cut off appendages. So you lose your thumb and your finger if you steal. In many countries, they do. They cut off appendages. So don't steal. You know, you've lost your thumb and your finger, like the fake thumb trick. Number four, this is a good one. Uh, number nine, yeah, number nine, sorry. There's four fingers, sorry. Number nine, thanks for all the reminders. Um, number nine, if... You're saying one thing, and everybody else is saying something else, it's probably a lie. If you're saying one thing, and everybody else is saying something else, it's probably a lie. Number 10, don't covet. Don't covet. That's the act of pulling away something someone else has. Don't covet. Today will be in the eighth round of the Ten Commandments. And for some reason, even in my outline today, I keep writing the sixth command. 
So if again, last week I did it, this week I did it. If again, if I say number six, just know that I'm not very educated anyway and that it's just a mistake of a poor educational system. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But today we're going to be on the eighth command, a journey of deliverance. Do not steal. It comes from Exodus 20, verse 15, which we've already read. Martin Luther said, It is not God's will for us to have anything that we cannot obtain by honorable means. And the only right attitude to others' property is scrupulous concern that ownership be fully respected. The eighth command is do not steal. The word for steal here is ganaf, which literally means to carry something away by means of of stealth, to take someone's property unlawfully and unbeknownst to the owner of that property. Now, you might be sitting here today and thinking, finally, I thought throughout the whole Ten Commandments I was going to be safe of conviction because I know that I keep the Ten Commandments so well. Finally, the the Eighth Command, do not steal. This is the one where I can just sit back and watch all the other bums be convicted by this one. And, and if you thought that, well, you're wrong. Because, because today you're going to find out that what is, if you haven't already, that what is surprising about the Ten Commandments and the rule of categories is that we're going to find every conviction on every level of the commands of God. When we understand the nature of our depravity and the nature of God's expectations in His holiness, we will find conviction on every level of the commands of God. So as we look at this command today, we, you may say, well, I don't steal, or, or I don't even think about stealing. I, I would never think about taking something that be- didn't belong to me. Um, but we might be breaking the eighth command, and we're just unaware of how we're breaking it. Now, um, I did already say this, but I think it's vastly important to say it again, maybe in different words in case you didn't hear me the first time. Before we go on, I've, I've tried very strongly um, to, and very diligently to point out two thoughts as we've been going through these Ten Commandments that I want you to keep. I want you to remember and I want you to keep. And the first is this. We do not keep these commandments for the sake of making a list of things that we have done for God. We do not commit, uh, ki- uh, commit to keeping these Ten Commandments for making a, a list of things that we have done for God. We cannot compile favor with God. We cannot compile favor with God. It isn't, friends, our list that matters. We are redeemed by the list of things that Jesus has done for us. The only list that matters is the one that was signed, sealed, and delivered through the blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, we are not being legalistic when we preach or teach the commands of God, but we are simply being obedient. Often, though, when you try to follow God and obey His full counsel, you will be labeled. Some will label you fundamental or some a legalist. Some might call you a bigot or, or even a wet blanket. You're, you don't like to, like to party. You don't like to be a part of these things. You're no fun. But when we examine and we keep our life in line with with God's commands and His Word, the Bible doesn't call us legalistic. The Bible doesn't call us um, bigots. The Bible doesn't call us fundamental. The Bible calls us faithful. 
The Bible calls us obedient servants. And in the end, who we are labeled in Christ crushes the importance of any other label that someone else might place on us. You don't keep these laws to create a list or a checklist of things that you have done for God so that when you die one day or when He returns, you can hand Him this list and say, Look, see, this is what I've accomplished for you. All that needed to be accomplished is in Christ. We keep these commands. We keep these laws because all that we have to give God is our lives as an offering for, what, for the life He gave for us. Another very important thing that you need to remember as we go through these Ten Commandments, especially as we go through the ones that are very heavy on do this and, and don't do this, you can't keep the whole law yourself. You, cannot, you, ha- you are unable to keep the whole law. You are unable to keep all Ten Commandments every day for even one week. I believe it to be true. We are unable to keep every Ten Commandment every day, every second of that day for one week. Some of us, often me, I struggle with keeping him every day. But again, to remind you, it is what Christ did that matters. He has kept the whole law for us. And so when we are looked at upon by God, He sees us as Christ and He sees us as law keepers. Now that's not an excuse not to Uh, obey the commands again. That's just an understanding of where we find peace, where we find a heart that is content. We find those things in knowing that Christ has completed the work for us. Understanding these two things and coupled with God's commands to follow His law, we press on toward keeping all of the commands of God as perfectly as we possibly can And we press on in keeping the eighth command, do not steal. The Bible has a lot to say about stealing, particularly in the Proverbs, but also throughout the New and Old Testaments. Proverbs 10.2 says, Ill-gotten gain has no value, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 20.17, Food gained by fraud tastes sweet. But one ends up with a mouth full of gravel. Psalm 62. Do not put your trust in extortion or vain hope in stolen goods. There are so many more. Like in the New Testament and throughout the gospel we see echoes of the Ten Commandments. And of all the Ten Commandments, honestly the Eighth is li- it likely has the largest scope of how we break this command. Of all the ones we've studied so far, and maybe all of the Ten Commands. Today, again, as we've done um, in most of our sermons throughout the Ten Commandments, I want to break this down into two points. I only do that not because, not because I want to put it in a box, but I want to try to make it concise for you so that you can come away with some tangible things um, for honoring and keeping uh, the commands of God. And the first, obviously, is how we break the Eighth Commandment, and the second is how we keep the Eighth Commandment. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question, um, or as sort of a preface to that, I want to ask you a question that maybe only the most astute will be able to answer, or at least those who have listened. There are two reasons that breaking the Eighth Commandment is so egregious. Can you give me one of them? 
What is one of the reasons that breaking the eighth commandment is so egregious? Can you think about it? It's okay if you can't. No, I'll just pretend. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah, I'll pretend like you answered and then I'll. One of the reasons, what? No, I wanted to know. I wanted to know. Okay, that is the second one. That was not the first one I was going to do. Perfect. It is a lack of trust in the provision and sovereignty of God. That was very astute, Katie. Thank you. Um, teacher's pet. Just kidding. Um, it's a lack of, it's a, I mean, it's a, when we break the eighth command, it's a lack of, and we didn't work that out together, by the way. She came up with that. It's a lack of trust in the sovereignty and the provision of God. It is saying that what God has given someone else doesn't belong to them, and what God has given me is not enough. What's another reason? It's very important, sort of overarching of all the last few commands. It breaks the second command of God. It breaks the second great command of God when we break the eighth. What is the second greatest command? Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength if you perpetually and persistently break his commands. And you can't love your neighbor as yourself if the commands you're breaking are against your neighbor. So we break the second command of God, and also we take away part of my sermon today by Katie answering the second one. Um, just kidding. Um, by by it, it, it does not trust in the providence and the sovereignty of God. The biggest way this generation and the next will break this command is by a sense of entitlement. We live in the most entitled uh, time in American history. Well, they shouldn't have that much money. How many times have you heard that through um, fo- so-called political commentators or, or po- politicians or whatever? They shouldn't have that much money. Or, or I deserve this and that. When we operate like this, we are transgressing the Eighth Commandment by not trusting in the providence and sovereignty of God. I want to transition really quickly into our first topic, our first point today. How do we break the Eighth Command. Over the last few weeks, we have talked about breaking each command. I've given you some pretty significant detail for each area where we might transgress this law. Now today, I'm going to, I've compiled a list of things, and I'm going to go through them quite quickly. So maybe write down the ones that are most important to you, or write down the ones that you need to work on, or if you're fast enough, write down all of them. But I've compiled a list from commentators and the Heidelberg Catechism and from pastors um, to help us to have a wide range of how we break the Eighth Commandment. Now I'm going to list a lot give just a little bit of commentary by, uh, around most of them, and um, it's, it's going to go rather quickly. What is transgressing the Eighth Command? Now, there are some that are quite obvious. Breaking into residential and commercial buildings with the intent to steal physical or intellectual property. Robbery, which is taking something directly from someone using violence or intimidation. Larceny, which is taking someone's property without permission and not returning it. Hijacking, shoplifting, uh, pickpocketing, or purse snatching. Now, all of you are like, I made the first cut. I made the first round. 
Of course we can look at these and say, well, yes, I'm good on all of these, or, or I'm good now. Even if you have a checkered past, I trust that nobody in here is, is going around at the local Walmart and pickpocketing people or, or shoplifting. Go to Target if you're going to do that. But, but these are just, these are just, mo- these are just the most obvious violations of the Eighth Command. A few more are uh, embezzlement, which is the taking of money or goods entrusted to one's care, or extortion, which is getting money by means of threat or misuse of authority, or racketeering, which is obtaining money by any illegal means. Now you look at all these and you say, well, Bryce, we can, we can just go on. Do you want to go ahead and start into the Ninth Command today? But we have to know that there are other ways of breaking the Eighth Commandment than just committing these aforementioned transgressions. There are often variations of committing these transgressions and even smaller, quote-unquote, smaller transgressions that we commit on a daily basis. How many of us would admit today that we have taken property that did not belong to us? supplies that did not belong to us, or even indulged, overindulged in free gifts. I know of a man one time whose wife worked at a church in the children's department, and Chick-fil-A gave her, it was a large church, thousands of free chicken sandwiches or chicken biscuits or something. It was one of those two things. And they had a supply left over. And the husband took those free chicken biscuits or whatever it was. It was something like a sandwich or biscuits. And he would eat Chick-fil-A every day after the party was over. After that event was over, he would eat Chick-fil-A every day instead of saving them or giving them. Some people call that thrifty. Some people call that being wise stewards of God's money. I call it being cheap, and I think it's probably borderline thievery. It's taking advantage of free gifts that you have been given. This could be as small as taking pens or pencils, medical supplies, or other items that we do not have the right to take. This could also be taking advantage of free things. For children and teens, it could be taking an entire bowl of Halloween candy when your neighbor leaves it out because they aren't home. Don't be that person. It could be manipulating using coupons more than once because the cashier didn't take it from you. You could go into Harbor Freight right now and you could say, oh, I have a 20% gift uh, discount coupon and I just can't find it. And it doesn't have to be true because it's guaranteed that they have a coupon book back there and they will scan it and they will give you 20% off. If you don't have a 20% off gift uh, coupon, then you are lying. You are manipulating The system. I know of coupon pages on Facebook where their entire purpose is to cheat the system. So that if there's a glitch in a coupon, they post it to everyone in the group. And everyone in the group gets to take advantage of that coupon. Uh, I have even know someone personally who used a coupon to get an item that was close to $100 for pennies on the dollar. What did Luther say in the quote that I first quoted you today? It is not God's will for us to have anything that we cannot obtain by honorable means. What about underpaying taxes? So one of of the most common thefts that happens. 
Now, you need to hear me when I say this because I think our government is the greatest perpetuator of thievery, okay? And taxes enforced as we have it in our country, I believe, is theft. I'm not going to get into that today. But the Lord said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And I can guarantee that Caesar's government and taxation structure was a lot more difficult and a lot more stringent and a lot more unfair than the American government. But the command was to pay taxes to render under Caesar what is Caesar's regardless of what the government, regardless of what the leader is doing to you or is doing with that money. Cheating on taxes is breaking the eighth command. Making false claims on social security or disability. I know of someone who, um, or even for insurance purposes, I know of someone who broke his leg on two different occasions in order to get Aflac insurance. Intentionally broke his leg on two different occasions in order to get Aflac insurance. This is stealing. It's stealing from insurance agencies. It's stealing from the government. But it's also stealing from other people who are filing or never filing legitimate claims. At our jobs, filling out, filling out time cards inappropriately or calling, calling in sick under the premise of being ill, but you're not really ill. Or maybe even milking our clock. Milking the clock. You know, you don't have anything to do, so you just don't do anything, as opposed to being proactive in work. Our culture of entitlement has ruined work ethic and endurance. We live in a culture that thinks that just because someone has money, that someone else is owed from a part of that money. It's just not true. So we have brilliant internet economists that they think that $15 an hour is the right pay so that they can do their job horribly. I mean, honestly, I know this sounds like unempathetic, but on some level I hope McDonald's replaces workers with computers because at least my order would get right when I went there. I don't go to McDonald's, but that was just an example of bad service. Right. Right. When people milk the clock or they fudge on their time card or they use sick days to go to the beach, it is of low integrity. It is a way of gaining money by undishonorable gains. Doing so under the thought that it doesn't really hurt this company. Walmart is a multi-million dollar corporation. McDonald's is a multi-million dollar corporation. And truly, that is probably right. It doesn't hurt that company. Do you know who it hurts? It hurts the consumer. Because company roll those costs into the merchandise, merchandise itself. It is estimated that employee theft costs companies over $200 billion each year. And someone has to pay for that. We should practice the utmost integrity when it comes to our jobs, to our hours, and how diligent we are in the time that we are there and that we are getting paid to work. To not take anything, as Luther said, that cannot be obtained by honorable gain. Friends, I want, to know, I want you to know this. If you hate your job so much that you can't do it honorably, it would be better to quit than to reap the judgment of doing a bad job. 
It would be better to quit than to dishonor God by doing a bad job or set a bad example of what, it's, of, of what a Christian work ethic is like or to steal from your company. But the government and employees are not uh, innocent of that necessarily. Our, our employers are not innocent of this transgression either. The government commits theft by wasting taxpayer money and stealing from future citizens by accruing massive amounts of debt that it has no intention of paying back. The government steals by eminent domain and attaining properly un- property unjustly, or even by nationalization, which is the process of making a private company a, p- a government-owned company. Also, companies rob from their employees by demanding longer hours than their contract states or asking employees to work off the clock or work in times if they're not ever on the clock, work for times that they're not paid for, or even by having an understaffed workforce, which causes other employees who are working and doing their job to miss time with their family or miss other times of rest and recuperation, or by even not paying an employee the promised wage. Individual and, individuals and companies break the eighth command when they sell goods or services that are either defective or are not as advertised. This happens a lot on Facebook Marketplace and in the service area with contractors. It's why I hate selling something new. If I can afford to do it, I would almost rather give it away than it not work. Or than me sell it and it not work or sell it and it uh, go bad. If we knowingly sell something defective, no matter how small or how big, we are stealing from that, from that person. I've also always tried to do my best in the contracting field. Now, I know mistakes happen and issues arise, but we should never set out to be deceitful or uncaring about a product or service that we are giving or selling to a person. I have a friend right now who's having a tremendous amount of trouble with a builder. He just found out that his shower that was just done by the builder is going to cost him $4,000 to have done properly, to have torn out and done properly. There are all kinds of mistakes that if I mention to you, it might not mean anything to you, but I know the scope of fixing those and I know how much it would cost to make it right. And he is tens of thousands of dollars from making his house right. It's often what we see in my, my secondary field and the field of contracting and construction, and which is why I've done my very best to try to revert, reverse that trend, reverse that mindset for people. There are other ways of breaking uh, the Eighth Commandment. One might not, you know, ones that might not get looked at very often or, or you might even scoff at like enticing someone to buy something that is, that is not good for them or that they don't need or can't afford. Now, this is practically, uh, this is not a shots-fired uh, intention here, but it, it's practically the unwritten goal of advertising and, and many salespeople. But as Christians, we must walk a fine line between fulfilling the commands of our job and loving our neighbor. Casinos are another place that is another place that preys on the weakness of others. Now, I don't think, like, you might disagree with me, and that's fine, but uh, I don't think gambling in and of itself is a sin. Like, I've played poker with my friends for money. I don't think that gambling in and of itself is a sin. 
But I think that casino gambling is a different issue because it preys on greed and offers no goods or services back for the money that you spend, save only maybe some temporary enjoyment. And when we casinos root and they and they and they target they target lower socioeconomic people. It's just the truth. The lottery targets lower socioeconomic people. And when we participate in those things, we become tacit supporters by donating our money to that cause. Now most of all these are sort of self-explanatory. I want to spend a last a few minutes on some more don'ts that might not be so self-explanatory to you. Now, I would if you're taking notes, I would just number these, you know, 1 through 6 because they are they're a little bit more um in our in line with how we break the eighth command. Taking any discount, gift or property from a person who does not have the authority to give it to you breaks the eighth command. Taking any discount, gift, or property from a person who does not have the authority to give it to you breaks the Eighth Command. A few examples. I've had to tell servers before, you need to charge me for a drink. Because they, servers do not have the authority to give you free drinks. And you are stealing when you take that from them. I know that you think, well, a representative from the company has told me this. Unless their manager says it's okay... And even sometimes then, it is stealing to take from a company when a person who does not have the authority to give you that gives you something free. I've mentioned coupons and and what people have done with those. Saving hundreds of dollars on a coupon glitch that wasn't supposed to originally be that way. Well, it was their fault. Well, it's your fault for not having high integrity. So... Gaining entry into an event unethically by lying about a child's age or getting a discount on a free meal by lying about a child's age or the the list goes on, taking advantage of free or discounted things through lying or through unethical ways. Any gain that cannot be supported by integrity, any gain that I cannot do with the utmost integrity... If someone gives you something that doesn't belong to them, it doesn't belong to you, it is not a gift, it is called evidence. You need to understand that. If someone gives you something that doesn't belong to you and doesn't belong to them, it is called evidence, which would include buying stolen property that could be questionable as to not whether or not it was stolen. We had some uh, Mexican-American dudes that I worked with when I was working uh, for MTE, and they always had these great deals on DeWalt drills and DeWalt saws and DeWalt tools. And I was like, man, you can't even make this for this cost. And I was always hesitant. I never bought anything from them because they couldn't tell me without a smile where it came from. Taking advantage of a discount or a gift or property from a person who does not have the authority to give it to you breaks the Eighth Command. Borrowing things and not giving them back, it breaks the Eighth Command. It is taking, this is maybe one of the most direct routes of breaking the Eighth Command and the Second Command because you are taking things out of the pocket of your neighbor. This happens more times than not. I thought of two instances as 
preparing this sermon, uh, in preparing this sermon, when I was a, a high school student, I went to Gatlinburg and I bought a t-shirt and I cut the sleeves off, you know, and when I was working out, I thought I was the man. And the shirt was awesome. It had a bulldog on the back flexing its muscles. And it said, from the cradle to the grave, bad to the bone. And I was bad to the bone when I wore it. And I let one of my buddies wear it one day. And I never got it back. And I'm only slightly scarred by that. But stealing clothes, stealing, taking things like that. As I was preparing for this sermon, I actually remember a seminary friend letting me borrow a ping pong table. Because I don't know if you knew this, Mid-America, one of the uh, requirements of your degrees is that you spend 50% of your time playing ping pong. That's one of the requirements of your degrees. And so he let me borrow his ping pong table. And when we were moving from our house in South Haven, I had a ping pong uh, paddle. And when we were moving from our house in South Haven, I found his ping pong paddle. And then as I was driving to give an estimate on a job this week, I saw his name on a church sign. And so I'm convinced that I've got to go buy this guy a ping pong paddle and take it to his church soon. Borrowing things that, does not be- that do not belong to you and not giving them back is a-, a form of breaking the Eighth Commandment. Now this, is not, this does not count when you leave Tupperware over at my house. You may get it back or you may not. That's not because we're stealing. That's just because we're irresponsible. So don't. Borrowing things that belong to others and not giving them back when they expect it breaks the eighth command. Here we go. Here we go. I'm getting ready. You might want to keep your toes up for just a minute longer. Using digital or intellectual property that is not yours. Using digital or intellectual property that is not yours. This includes pirating, using streaming passwords or plagiarism or any activity that is illegal or at least unethical. This is vastly important. You must understand this. If something requires a subscription and they explicitly say per household and you allow others to use or you use other subscriptions, then you are breaking the eighth command. You are stealing whether it be your direct TV account or Hulu or whatever it is, whatever it is, my question to you is, is your integrity worth $12 a month? Is your integrity worth $12 a month? Also, getting free movies, getting movies that have been recorded in a movie theater, getting movies that have been made on DVDs from China, Using a jailbroken fire stick or another device that allows you to get free movies and free television. These break the the eighth commandment because you are getting something for free that doesn't belong to you and you would otherwise have to pay for. At the time around its release, uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung um, found some research that he was researching um, this for, this, for his sermon, I listened to his sermon, and I thought this was interesting. He said that, you know, movies are one of the greatest things that are pirated regularly. And used to, it was done in a different way. You know, it was like pirated DVDs. Now it's all digital. But Kevin DeYoung said the most pirated movie of its time around its release or before its release was The Passion of the Christ. Now, I didn't verify that, but, I mean, I can imagine it being true. It is illegal you can be fined, and on some level, you can be arrested. 
I've, I've seen back around the Napster days, around, right, around those days, there were people whose parents were fined, literally fined, and had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars because their kids had thousands of songs on their uh, computers. Friends, I know that it may seem trite. I know that it may seem small. And even some companies allow it. I know that Netflix does not have a specific thing that states you can't have this on multiple households. It does not say that in the rules. I looked for it because I have one at my house and it's on my parents' house. But I pay extra for Netflix so that I can have it on five screens. Well, that was mainly because it was annoying to turn on Netflix and be like, Summer is watching so-and-so and and Ellie is watching so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, I just got to pay for this. But... Anyway, I know for a fact that Netflix is one of those sort of gray areas because it doesn't say you can't have it on multiple screens. But I have also looked, and Hulu does. And Amazon, using Amazon Prime on multiple screens, it does. Using your network uh, television on multiple screens, DirecTV, Xfinity, screens that don't belong to you, it does. And it matters. It matters because it's not about what they can gain to lose. It's what you can gain to lose. It's not about what another person can gain to lose. It's what you can gain to lose. And can you gain to lose your integrity for $10 a month? Can you gain to lose your integrity for a five or a few dollar discount? Keep your toes up for a second. Four, J.I. Packer points out that one that is vastly important for our culture, he says this, Finally, it is theft to steal a reputation. Destroying someone's credit by malicious gossip behind his back. William Shakespeare says, who, who steals my purse steals trash. But he that filches from me my good name makes me poor indeed. Thus gossip is a breach of the ninth commandment and its effect will be a breach of the eighth. In a world full of social, social justice warriors, we must work diligently to avoid this most vile behavior. Now, I'm not defending anyone by this statement, but this is one of the reasons that people are turning to Donald Trump and not away from Donald Trump. Because it matters more to defame his name than to tell the truth from most people in the media and most people on social media. A popular thing to do right now is doxing people. Do you know what doxing people is? Doxing people is taking private information and revealing it online to try to destroy the person. There was a reporter who ended up doxing these boys in a rape case, and they, beca- they were exonerated from the rape. And the rape was a false claim, but she was a reporter from a, a reputable company. She got fired from her company, thank goodness, but she doxed these people, ruining, effectively ruining their life destroying their reputation, destroying any future for them. Now listen, it can be easy to jump on this theme. I think about these guys, and whether it was mistake or whatever it was, but I think about these guys at the March for Life who were videoed in the face of this Native American dude, and it's going around the internet right now. I think about these guys, and it would be easy for us as Christians to jump on and destroy their reputation. 
It would be easy for non-Christians, as they are doing, to jump on and try to destroy them and dox them and find them and make them pay. It's easy for, for conservative white Christians to jump on a black man who dies at the hands of police and say, well, he must have been doing something illegal. He must have been doing this or he must have been doing that. You see, there was weed in his house, like the atrocity that happened in Dallas. This is not, it is not the role of Christians to defame or destroy the character of people unjustly. This is robbing from a future. This is robbing them of a future. This is robbing them of any hope that even if they are guilty of their crime, of recovering from their guilt, recovering from that crime. This is breaking the Eighth Commandment because it steals the integrity and the future of that person. Another one, withholding generosity from the poor. Withholding generosity from the poor. This comes often through companies by charging a high interest price or price gouging the cost for a high demand and low supply item. It comes when we are so self-centered with our finances that we cannot be perpetually generous. And that's important, perpetually generous. We steal from others and we don't have the same or similar Uh, We steal from others when we don't have the same or similar mindset as the early church. The early church in Acts, it says, they had all things in common and they were giving of themselves so that no one went wanting. We steal when we don't have a mindset of generosity, when we withhold from the poor, when we aren't honestly, perpetually, continually generous. We steal by withholding generosity from the Lord. If someone, um, if somehow you survived all of these things and you can put your, you think you can put your toes down, um, I'm not going to, I'm I'm not going to let you. I'm going to get you right here. We steal from the Lord all the time. As much as I consider myself a generous person, I have been guilty of this. Now, I didn't think dad was going to be here when I put this in my sermon, so I thought I was going to be okay. My dad is not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, I can't remember as a child any deep theological conversations that I had with my dad. I can't remember any. But he taught me two things that have resonated through every aspect of my life. My dad and my mom both reinforced this to me. And he reinforced those behavior in word and in deed. The first was this, your life is not yours, it belongs to Christ. And the second is, your finances are not yours, they belong to Christ. Your finances are not yours, they belong to Christ. The greatest blessing in my life has been able to to be able to give to Christ freedom in freedom. Been able to be able to give in Christ, give to Christ in freedom of conscience and mind and without regret. Now, any wealth that the Lord has given me that I have given up, I'm not going to, I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not going to be a health and wealth guy. I'm not going to be Creflo Dollar. I'm not going to ask for a jet plane next week. But any wealth that God has given me that I have given away, He has replenished in every aspect of my life. And if He has not, He has supplied all of my needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. This view of the Eighth Commandment and how we break it affects the way that I give on Sunday morning. It affects the way that I give to our mercy ministries and missionaries. It affects the way that I give of my time. 
It affects what food I bring to missional community gathering or the gatherings at our church that our church puts on. It affects the amount of food I bring if I have a spirit of generosity. You know what has been such a blessing to me at Vintage Church? Sharing meals with you. It is a blessing to me. Sitting down and enjoying the fruits of someone else's labor, their hard work, and their service. It is a blessing to me. Seeing a smile on Katie Sexton's face when we eat her gumbo and and we would rather swim in it than just consume it. Or how weird Lexi gets when I talk about how good her chicken tortilla soup is because she thinks I'm trying to compare it to uh, to Anna's. We are gifting each other and the church when we bring food and make food. You want to know what the biggest burden has been? One of the biggest burdens has been for me as your pastor? Trying to develop in our church a mindset that in every area of our lives puts others first. And especially in MC and MC Mills and other mills as a church. When people complain about how much of a burden it is to serve others by bringing food. Or complain about the cost of making an MC meal for their entire MC. When they would have spent twice the money on the cost of one meal for themselves. Friends, it's because we're constantly fighting the urge to get fat off of God's money than be generous with it. We are constantly fighting the urge to fatten ourselves off of God's money than be generous with it. Withholding things from God, withholding things from God's people, withholding finances from the church is stealing from the Lord because your money is not yours in the first place. It is stealing from blessed community. And it is breaking the eighth command of God. So I want to give you those two things to remember that have impacted me so much in my life. Your life is not yours. Your finances are not yours. You can put your feet down. Friends, when we complain about how much of a burden it is to serve others, when we don't serve others cheerfully, when we don't give to the Lord cheerfully, We are stealing. There are some things to consider when thinking about stealing or taking something. It doesn't matter if the person or the company you are taking from can afford to lose it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you feel a closeness with the person or a company that gives you a feeling that you have the right to take things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if the whole world is doing it. It honestly only matters if we are doing our best that we can to keep far away from breaking the commands of God and run after loving Him and loving our neighbors. Calvin said this on the subject, Let us remember that all those arts whereby we acquire the possessions and money of our neighbors, when such devices depart from sincere affection to a desire to cheat or in some manner of harm, are to be considered thefts. We break the second command and we break the eighth command when we operate in a way that takes advantage of our neighbor and causes loss to him, no matter how much they can afford. Now after we finish today, it'll seem like this command has way more ways of breaking it than keeping it. 
And I can promise you in the next five minutes, I'm going to go through the ways we keep this command. This is the second point, how we keep this command. Number one, put away stealing. Put away stealing. Simple, concise, put away stealing. Get your own TV account. If you can't afford it, don't have it. Put away stealing. Get your own TV account. If you can't afford to have TV, or if you're too cheap to have it, don't have it. Save money in another area so that you can have it. Pay for your meals, including drinks, desserts, appetizers, whatever. Pay for your meals. Don't return items for a better price than you paid for them. Return extra change. No matter how little when, when no matter how little it is, when it isn't rightfully yours, return it. Now again, I didn't think uh, Bruce and Deborah were going to be here today, so sorry, I'm not trying to just dote on them. But one of the things that was most impactful for me when I was a when I was a child, and also one of the most annoying things in the world, was I've watched my mom go all the way home and go back to McDonald's to give them I don't know it was probably wasn't McDonald's, but I don't remember to give them fifty cents back. Now, as a kid, that's like literally the most annoying thing in the world. But as an adult, I've understood that that was 50 cents worth, was 50 cents worth her integrity? Or was her integrity worth 50 cents? I guess I should phrase it that way. Return extra change, no matter how little, when it isn't rightfully yours. Try to find the owner of lost things. Don't just be like, oh, I found 20 bucks. I'm going to do nothing, and I'm just going to keep this. If I find 20 bucks on the ground, I look around. If I find 20 bucks on the ground, I go to the person at the desk, and I say, have you seen anybody standing here? I don't tell them why, because you know, I don't want them to say, oh, that's my 20 bucks. You know, I'm going to keep it if, it's, if no one else is cash, after all. I'm going to keep it if no one else finds it. But if I find 20 bucks on the ground, um, I, I, I figure it out. I told you the story before about my buddy, right, that lost his high school ring, and I lost 20 bucks. Have I told you that story before? My, de- my mom had given me money. I was just barely driving. We, she was working at the school. She had given me money to go get gas. And I, it was $20, and I was supposed to go to the gas station. Well, between the time she had given it to me and getting to the car, I had lost the money. I had lo- this was not a surprise. I lost everything when I was a kid. She lo- I lost 20 bucks. So I'm like, you know, whatever. I got in trouble, you know, whatever. It was not, not a good day. I felt dumb anyway. That day, leaving football... I was walking to, I was walking across this field and I found a high school ring. And it said, Jed Hell. And I was like, hey, Jed lost his ring. And I came up to him the next day and I said, Jed, look what I found. I found your ring. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is my day. Today I lost my ring and I found it. And yesterday I found 20 bucks. This is not a lie. I'm, this is not a pastor story. This is not a lie. This is the honest to goodness truth. And, he, and I was like, I wanted to be sure. I was like, you found 20 bucks. I was like, where did you find it? And he pointed right outside the enrichment center office, which was the place that my mom worked at the high school, or the, 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 at the school. He had found my 20 bucks, and I had found his ring, and it worked out that both of us were honest that day. Now, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter what reward we might receive. I don't believe in karma. I don't believe if you give somebody 20 bucks that someday you're going to get 20 bucks back. But I do believe you're more likely to be blessed by things like that than you are if you don't. Put away stealing. Ask yourself, is my integrity worth this small amount or even large amount for that matter? 
Would Jesus approve of my actions? Labor and do hard and honest work. Labor and do hard and honest work. This is important. Labor and do hard and honest work. Wanting something so bad that we would be willing to steal for it is not the problem. If we want something, don't steal it. Work for it. And if we will never be able to afford it, then temper your expectations to want what you can afford. Stop using credit cards. Stop using th- stop using finances where it's not ab- or, uh, financing where it's not absolutely necessary. Work hard. Do honest work. Pray that God would allow you to repent and change your heart from your laziness. Quit wasting money. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work with all your heart as unto what? The Lord. Psalm 90.17, May the favor of the Lord God rest upon you. May He establish the work of your hand. Proverbs 12, Those who work their land will have an abundant abundance of food. Proverbs 13, 4, the desires of the diligent will be satisfied. Proverbs 14, all hard work leads to profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Paul in 1 Timothy says that those who do not work to provide their family have denied their faith. They are worse than an unbeliever, and that the hardworking farmer should be the first <coughs> excuse me, to receive his share. The primary occupation, the primary calling of Adam was to be placed in the Garden of Eden to work the land and take care of it. Work hard, work diligently, and be proud of what you have. Put on contentment. Put on contentment. Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Matthew 6 says that the pagan runs after things of life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money, for I will never leave you or forsake you. Keep your life free of the love of money. Don't. This is why you're taken care of. I will never leave you or forsake you. First um, Timothy 6, For godliness with contentment is of great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of this world. Luke 12, Be on guard for all kinds of greed, because life does not consist of abundance of possessions. Psalm 37, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Proverbs 28, 6, Better is the poor who walk whose walk is blameless and the rich whose way is perverse. Ecclesiastes 3.13 That each of them eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. We're going to talk about contentment a little bit more so I'm not going to go into it too much. We'll talk about it another day. Be content. If you can't work for it and afford it, be content with what you have. Be content with the blessings and the provisions God has given you. Trust Him for those things. And the last is, or one of, excuse me, I I think it's the last. Pray for and practice generosity. Pray for and practice generosity. Friends, if you have an abundance, it has been given to you, not that you may acquire more abundance. It has been given to you so that you may be more generous. If you get a raise, if you get a new job, if you get an inheritance, if you pay off debt, the purpose of personal financial freedom is that God would allow you to use your finances for His glory and the freedom to help others. We recently paid off most of our debt 
which was a huge deal for us. And I asked God, and this is why I say pray for a spirit of generosity. I asked God, Lord, make me more generous. Give me opportunities to be more generous. And in that time, he's given me more than I even have the generosity to fulfill. I have seen where generosity has been a door to gospel fruitfulness. So we pray that God would make us more generous. And we remember to help the poor, to help the needy. Leviticus talks about lending without interest to the poor. Deuteronomy says that you should, close, you should not close your hand to your poor brother, but you should open it. Psalm, thir- Psalm 41 says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not, uh, you do not get, give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. Proverbs 11, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs 19, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. In Matthew, generosity is called storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And we can give with a generous heart because generously we have been given to by, from God through Christ Jesus who gave his greatest treasure, who gave his greatest treasure so that we may have life and we may have it abundantly, who do not consider his treasure something to be held onto, something to be stored up just for himself. But he denied himself. He came to this earth as basically a pauper without a place to lay his head, without possessions. And he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to purchase us a place in heaven, all as a means of giving to a poor heart and a poor spirit who could be rich in him. Friends, we've been given the greatest example of why we don't steal, why we don't take what doesn't belong to us because it dishonors God, it breaks the Eighth Commandment, and it hurts our neighbor. But I say to you, don't just focus on the negative of this command, even though we spent about 30 minutes doing that. Don't just focus on the negative of this command, but focus on the positive. Don't just be a person who doesn't steal. Be a person who is overly generous. Be a person who considers his wealth not his own, but a way of bringing gospel light to the poor, to friends, to family, to the church, to the nations. God, you are so good. And Lord, it is through your goodness that we understand how to follow these ten commands, how to follow all of your commands, how to live for you. Lord, we don't do it in order to be approved by you. We do it because we are giving our life as an offering. We are trusting you with our lives. We are trusting you with the plans for our lives, with our finances. Lord, we're trusting you with where our money goes when we help others. We trust you and we love you. Lord, we pray that you would just help us to be more generous, to not just skirt the Ten Commands of God, but to focus on the positive aspects of those Ten Commands and just thrive in that for the sake of Jesus so that whatever we do, we do as unto the Lord. We pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.